Content warning. This series contains mentions of mental health issues, suicide, sexual abuse, and other sensitive subjects. This is your host, Andrew Pledger, and this is Surviving Bob Jones University, a Christian Cult. Episode 2, Understanding Fundamentalism Fundamentalism refers to a belief system that upholds a strict interpretation of religious or political ideologies which are considered fundamental to the faith or cause. Fundamentalism is a mindset or an approach to any ideology, and this can happen in any social group. This episode will specifically examine the needs and the psychology that fundamentalist Christianity provides for people and the links people will go to to protect the emotional high they get from its teachings and its approach. The psychological underpinnings of fundamentalism focus on the black and white, us versus them mindset, authoritarianism, anti-intellectualism, justification of evil, narcissism, and claim of absolute truth. Fundamentalism provides for the human needs of purpose, certainty, structure, and community. These things are not bad in and of themselves, but when you are in a system that provides these needs and you are not allowed to question and you are heavily dependent on the group and don't have outside resources, this is an environment ripe with control and abuse. It's comfortable to have someone to give you all the answers and you don't have to question. Just conform and obey. They provide all these needs in exchange for your identity and autonomy. The downside to this black and white approach is when some members are not seeing the results the group is claiming to provide. This results in blaming members because there's a narcissistic assumption that there is nothing wrong with the group's teachings or power structure. The group can do no wrong, only those who are not conforming or believing enough. One of the key needs that fundamentalism can provide for is a sense of purpose. By emphasizing a set of core beliefs or principles, Fundamentalist movements offer individuals a clear sense of direction and meaning in life. This can especially be important for individuals who may feel lost or adrift or who are searching for a deeper sense of meaning and purpose in their lives. Fundamentalist groups often have a strong focus on the afterlife or on the fulfillment of divine purpose, which can give believers a sense of meaning and purpose beyond their immediate lives. This sense of feeling special or chosen by God can turn into a sense of grandiosity and narcissism. Another need that fundamentalism can provide for is certainty and structure. In a world that can often feel chaotic and uncertain, fundamentalist movements offer a sense of stability and order. By emphasizing a set of fixed beliefs and practices, they can provide individuals with a clear framework for understanding the world around them. This can especially be comforting for individuals who may feel overwhelmed by the complexity and uncertainty of the modern world. 
Finally, fundamentalism can provide a sense of community. By emphasizing shared beliefs and values, this movement can offer individuals a sense of belonging and connection to others who share their worldview. This may feel important for individuals who feel isolated or disconnected from mainstream society. Fundamentalist communities often provide a strong sense of social support and a shared sense of purpose, which can be deeply meaningful for believers. While fundamentalism can provide for these needs of purpose, certainty, structure, and community, it is important to note that these benefits can also come at a cost. Fundamentalism can be associated with extreme or dogmatic worldviews and can lead to intolerance, discrimination, or even violence. It is important to approach fundamentalism with a critical eye and to be aware of the potential risk and drawbacks of these kinds of movements. The black and white us versus them mindset is a defining feature of fundamentalism. It is a characterized by belief in absolute truth with no shades of gray or middle ground. They believe the world is divided in two opposing camps. One side represents the good and the other side represents the evil. This mindset is evident in the language used by fundamentalists, such as the term of infidel or unbeliever or evildoers to describe those who do not share their beliefs. This mindset can lead to a lack of empathy and understanding towards those who are not part of the group, which can result in intolerance and prejudice towards others. The psychology behind black and white thinking can be traced to a number of factors, including a need for certainty and control, a fear of ambiguity, and a tendency towards perfectionism. Individuals who struggle with anxiety or other mental health disorders may also be more prone to black and white thinking. One of the key features of black and white thinking is the inability to see nuance or complexity in a situation. This can lead to a rigid and inflexible mindset where individuals are unable to consider alternative viewpoints or even consider multiple perspectives. This can result in a narrow range of options for problem solving as individuals may only see one possible solution to a problem. This kind of thinking can have a number of negative consequences. For example, it can lead to unrealistic expectations as individuals may hold themselves or others to impossibly high standards. It can lead to a lack of empathy or understanding towards others as individuals may be unable to see another person's perspective or even acknowledge their experiences. Overcoming black and white thinking involves developing cognitive flexibility and learning to tolerate ambiguity and uncertainty. This can involve practicing mindfulness, challenging rigid beliefs, and learning to see situations from multiple perspectives. It may also involve seeking support from a mental health professional to address underlying anxiety or other mental health issues. Fundamentalism is also often associated with authoritarianism, which is characterized by a strong emphasis on hierarchy, obedience, and control. Fundamentalist groups typically have a charismatic leader who is regarded to have divine authority or they are put in place by God, and the followers are expected to submit to authority figures without question because this is seen as rebellion or going against God. Authoritarianism can lead to a lack of critical thinking, 
and the suppression of dissent, which can result in a group think mentality. This can lead to a lack of accountability, as followers are often willing to justify immoral or unethical or even harmful behavior in the name of their cause. Authoritarianism is a personality trait characterized by a strong preference for order and a willingness to submit to authority. Individuals with authoritarian tendencies tend to value obedience, tradition, and conformity and may be more likely to support hierarchical power structures. There are also organizations that have an authoritarian structure to the group. The psychology behind authoritarianism can be traced to a number of factors, including a need for security and predictability, a fear of uncertainty, and a desire for control. Authoritarian individuals may feel more comfortable in environments with clear rules and expectations and may be less tolerant of ambiguity or dissent. One of the key features of authoritarianism is a willingness to submit to authority figures without question. This can lead to a blind loyalty to leaders or institutions and may make it difficult for individuals to recognize or speak out against abuses of power. Authoritarianism can have a number of negative consequences. It can lead to suppression of individual rights and freedoms as individuals prioritize order and conformity over personal autonomy. It can lead to resistance to change, and as individuals may be hesitant to challenge the status quo or try new approaches. Overcoming authoritarian tendencies involves a greater sense of individual agency and learning to question authority when necessary. This can involve developing critical thinking skills, learning to seek out diverse perspectives, and practicing assertiveness and self-advocacy. It may also involve addressing underlying fears or anxieties that contribute to a preference for order and control. Authoritarian institutions are organizations or systems that prioritize obedience and conformity over individual autonomy or freedom. These institutions are usually characterized by strict hierarchical structures, clear lines of authority, and a willingness to enforce rules and regulations through punishment or coercion. Examples of authoritarian institutions can include governments, religious institutions, political systems that restrict individual freedoms and limit democratic participation, religious organizations that enforce strict adherence to doctrine and tradition, and educational institutions that prioritize conformity and learning over creativity and critical thinking. One of the key features of authoritarian institutions is a focus on maintaining order and control, often at the expense of individual rights or freedoms. This results in suppression of dissent, a resistance to change, and a tendency towards rigid thinking and inflexibility. Authoritarian institutions also contribute to a culture of fear and distrust as individuals may feel hesitant to speak out against authority or challenge the status quo. Efforts to reform or transform authoritarian institutions can involve promoting greater transparency, accountability, and participation. This involves advocating for democratic reforms, promoting individual rights and freedoms, and encouraging diverse perspectives and approaches. It may also involve challenging institutionalized power structures, and promoting a more collaborative and inclusive decision-making process. 
Fundamentalism can often take an anti-intellectual stance, viewing academic knowledge and scientific inquiry as a threat to their beliefs. This can lead to rejection of evidence-based reasoning and a reliance on dogma and faith. This anti-intellectual stance can result in a lack of curiosity and a reluctance to question one's beliefs. Fundamentalists can view education as a tool of the enemy and may even discourage or even prohibit their followers from seeking higher education. Fundamentalists who do desire higher education usually do so through a college that promotes their worldview and dismisses any views or anyone that disagrees. Anti-intellectualism is a phenomenon characterized by negative attitudes towards intellectual pursuits and a distrust of intellectualism. This can manifest in a number of ways, including a rejection of scientific or evidence-based thinking, a distrust of experts and academics, and a preference for intuition or personal experience over critical thinking and analysis. The psychology behind anti-intellectualism can be traced to a number of factors, including a fear of change or uncertainty, a desire for simplicity or easy answers, and a mistrust of authorities or expertise. Anti-intellectual individuals may feel uncomfortable with complexity or ambiguity and may be more likely to reject new or challenging ideas. One of the key features of anti-intellectualism is a preference for subjective experience over objective analysis. This can lead to a dismissal of facts and evidence in favor of personal opinions or beliefs. These kinds of people also are more prone to conspiracy thinking or other forms of ideologically motivated reasoning. This kind of thinking can have a number of negative consequences, for example, rejection of scientific progress and a lack of trust in expert advice, potentially contributing to the spread of misinformation or the rejection of evidence-based policy solutions. It can also limit opportunities for personal and intellectual growth, as individuals may be less willing to engage with challenging ideas or seek out new information. Overcoming anti-intellectual tendencies involves developing critical thinking skills and learning to evaluate information and ideas based on evidence rather than personal beliefs or bias. It may also involve challenging underlying fears or anxieties that contribute to a rejection of complexity or ambiguity. Promoting the value of intellectual pursuits and education can also help counter anti-intellectual attitudes and promote a culture of curiosity and critical inquiry. Fundamentalism may also lead to the justification of evil acts in the name of a higher cause. The black and white us versus them mindset and authoritarianism can create a moral superiority, which can lead to the dehumanization of those who are seen as enemies of the cause. This can lead to acts of violence and terror as fundamentalists believe that the end justifies the means. They believe they are doing God's work and that their actions are justified by their belief in absolute truth. This can still take on less extreme forms, for example, justifying being verbally, emotionally, and spiritually abusive to other people in the name of doing God's work. Justifying evil is a psychological phenomenon characterized by the tendency to rationalize or excuse immoral or unethical behavior. This can involve finding ways to justify one's own actions or defending the actions of others who engage in the immoral or unethical behavior. The psychology behind justifying evil 
can be complex and multifaceted and may involve a number of factors such as cognitive dissonance, moral disengagement, and social influence. Cognitive dissonance is a state of psychological discomfort that arises when one's beliefs or actions conflict with one another. Justifying evil can serve as a means of reducing cognitive dissonance by finding ways to align one's actions or beliefs with one's self-concept. Moral disengagement is another psychological process that can contribute to justifying evil. This involves distancing oneself from the moral consequences of one's actions or reframing immoral behavior as being justified or necessary in the context of the situation. Social influence can also play a role in justifying evil. This can involve pressure to conform to group norms or expectations or to prioritize loyalty to a particular group or cause over moral or ethical considerations. Justifying evil can have a number of consequences. It can contribute to the perpetuation of immoral or unethical behavior and can lead to a normalization of harmful practices. It can also erode trust and social cohesion as individuals may be less likely to hold themselves or others accountable for unethical behavior. Overcoming tendencies to justify evil involves developing a greater sense of personal accountability and moral responsibility. This can involve developing a stronger moral identity and commitment to ethical behavior, as well as learning to recognize and challenge moral disengagement and other cognitive biases that contribute to justifying evil. Encouraging a culture of transparency and accountability can also help reduce the tendency to justify immoral or unethical behavior. While fundamentalist Christian teachings can provide a sense of security and comfort for some and a sense of purpose, they can also be harmful and contribute to various forms of trauma. And here are some ways in which Christian fundamentalist teachings can be damaging. Fundamentalist Christianity can create an environment of spiritual abuse in which individuals are manipulated, shamed, and controlled through religious practices and beliefs. This can lead to feelings of guilt, shame, and fear. It can cause long-term emotional and psychological harm. Fundamentalist Christianity often places a strong emphasis on authority and obedience, with leaders and pastors holding significant power over their congregations. This can lead to a culture of fear and compliance in which individuals are discouraged from questioning authority or expressing dissent. Fundamentalist Christianity promotes a culture of purity in which sex and sexuality are strictly regulated and viewed as sinful. This can lead to feelings of shame, guilt, and self-hatred, and especially for those who do not fit into traditional gender roles or who identify as LGBTQ+. Fundamentalist Christianity has a long history of promoting anti-LGBTQ plus beliefs and practices, which can lead to trauma for queer individuals and their families. This trauma can include rejection from their faith communities, internalized shame and self-hatred, and a sense of isolation and alienation. Fundamentalist Christianity also promotes patriarchal values and reinforces gender roles that can be harmful to women, and this can lead to feelings of powerlessness low self-esteem, a lack of agency and autonomy, and also lead them to stay in abusive marriages or relationships. Fundamentalist Christianity also has a complicated history with race, with some leaders and institutions promoting racist beliefs and practices. This can lead to feelings of marginalization and exclusion for people of color. 
as well as a sense of betrayal by their faith communities. Religious trauma is another aspect in which individuals experience emotional, psychological, or spiritual distress as a result of their religious beliefs and practices. This trauma can manifest as anxiety, depression, or complex PTSD, and can be exasperated by the pressure to conform to rigid religious standards. Fundamentalist Christianity often promotes a form of Christian nationalism in which the Christian faith is closely tied to national identity and politics. This can lead to a sense of exclusion for those who do not share these beliefs and can contribute to divisions and overall conflicts within society. Overall, while fundamentalist Christianity's teachings can provide a sense of security, belonging, and purpose for some, they can also be harmful and contribute to forms of trauma. So it's important to recognize and address these harmful aspects and to work towards a more compassionate and inclusive approach to faith and spirituality. Fundamentalist Christianity can create a culture of fear, shame, and control that can be damaging to its followers. One of the defining characteristics of fundamentalism is its strict adherence to a particular set of beliefs and practices, often with a focus on strict obedience to authority figures and strict adherence to rules and regulations. This can lead to an authoritarian structure that does not value individual members and can create a culture of fear and control. One way this movement does this is its culture of fear through its emphasis on sin and punishment. The idea of eternal punishment in hell for those who do not live according to certain moral standards or believe certain doctrines can create a sense of fear and anxiety. And this fear is reinforced by the constant messaging from religious leaders and communities that must be vigilant in their adherence to the rules and regulation of the group. Shame is also a common experience for individuals in these communities. The focus on sin and punishment can lead to a sense of guilt and shame for not living perfectly to the moral standards. Members may feel they are constantly being watched and judged by their community and may be blamed and shamed for their perceived failures. The authoritarian structure of fundamentalist Christianity can lead to a lack of value for individual members. Members may be expected to conform to rigid standards and rules without consideration for their own personal needs and experiences. This can create a sense of isolation and disconnection from others and may lead to feelings of being trapped or powerless. Overall, fundamentalist Christianity can create a culture of fear, shame, and control that can be damaging to its followers. Members may feel a constant sense of anxiety and pressure to conform to its strict rules and experience shame and isolation if they are unable to perfectly meet these expectations. It is important for individuals who have experienced this type of trauma to seek out support and resources to help to process and heal from these experiences. I also have resources listed in the show notes, so please go check those out. The doctrines of hell and the end times are central tenets of many Christian belief systems, and they can be a source of trauma for some individuals. The idea of eternal punishment in hell for those who do not believe in Jesus or believe the gospel or live according to certain moral standards can cause significant emotional distress and anxiety. Similarly, the idea of looming end times apocalypse can create a sense of fear and uncertainty about the future. Here are some ways in which the doctrines of hell and the end times can contribute to trauma. 1. Fear and anxiety. 
The idea of eternal punishment and the end of the world can be a source of intense fear and anxiety, especially for individuals who struggle with mental health issues or who have experienced trauma in the past. Two, guilt and shame. Believing in the doctrine of hell and the end times can lead to feelings of guilt and shame as individuals may feel they are not living up to moral standards or they're not doing enough to prepare for the end times and even feeling like they are completely worthless. Three, religious trauma. The doctrines of hell and end times can contribute to religious trauma in which individuals experience emotional or psychological distress as a result of their religious beliefs and practices and can manifest as anxiety, depression, and complex PTSD. Four, spiritual abuse. Some religious leaders may use the doctrines of hell and the end times to manipulate and control their followers using fear and guilt to keep them in line. This can lead to feelings of powerlessness, confusion, and emotional trauma. Five, disconnection from reality. The focus on end times and the afterlife can sometimes lead to individuals to disconnect from their present lives and relationships causing them to miss out on important experiences and opportunities. It is important to note that not all individuals who believe in the doctrines of end times and hell experience trauma, and some find comfort and meaning in these beliefs. However, for those who do experience trauma, it is important to seek out support and resources to help process and heal from these experiences. This may involve speaking with a therapist, seeking out a supportive faith community, or exploring an alternative belief system that do not focus on the doctrine of hell and the end times. Fundamentalism can also be characterized by a sense of narcissism. As the individual or group believes that they are special and chosen by a higher power, this can result in a sense of entitlement and lack of empathy towards others. Narcissism can lead to a belief that one's own beliefs and opinions are the only valid ones, and that others who do not share these beliefs are inferior or unworthy. Narcissism is a personality trait that is characterized by an inflated sense of self-importance and a need for admiration and a lack of empathy towards others. Let's explore the psychology of narcissism and fundamentalist Christianity. In addition to individual narcissism, there is also the concept of narcissistic institutions, which are organizations or systems that prioritize their own self-interest over the well-being of their own members or society as a whole. In this section of this episode, we will explore the psychology of narcissistic institutions, including their origins, manifestations, and consequences. Origins. Narcissistic institutions are believed to develop as a result of a combination of historical, cultural, and economic factors. Institutions that have a long history or a significant cultural influence may develop a sense of entitlement or superiority, leading to a lack of accountability and disregard for the needs of others. Additionally, institutions that are focused on profit or even power may prioritize their own interest over the well-being of their employees or even members of the larger community. Manifestations Narcissistic institutions can manifest in a variety of ways ranging from a lack of transparency and accountability to abusive or exploitive behavior. Institutions may engage in unethical or illegal practices and may use their power and influence to silence or intimidate those who speak out against them. Narcissistic institutions may also prioritize the needs of their leaders over the needs of society as a whole, leading to policies or actions that harm marginalized or vulnerable populations. 
Consequences. Narcissistic institutions can have a range of negative consequences for individuals and society as a whole. Institutions that prioritize their own interests over well-being of their members may engage in abusive and exploitive behavior and can lead to physical and even psychological harm. Narcissistic institutions also contribute to social inequality or environmental degradation, and they prioritize profit or power over social or environmental responsibility. Narcissistic institutions may erode public trust and confidence, leading to a breakdown in social cohesion and the erosion of democratic institutions. Narcissistic institutions are a complex and multifaceted phenomenon that can have a wide-ranging consequences for individuals and society as a whole. Understanding the origins and manifestations of narcissistic institutions is essential for addressing the negative impact of these institutions and promoting a more just and equitable society. The last thing I want to cover about fundamentalism is the claim of absolute truth. This is a defining feature of fundamentalism. They believe their beliefs are only true and the only valid ones and all other beliefs are false. This claim of absolute truth can lead to a lack of tolerance towards others who do not share their beliefs and a reluctance to engage in dialogue or compromise. Fundamentalists may view those who do not share their beliefs as enemies, rather than seeing them as fellow human beings. In conclusion, fundamentalism is a complex phenomenon that is driven by a variety of psychological factors. The black and white us versus them mindset, authoritarianism, anti-intellectualism, justification of evil, narcissism, and a claim of absolute truth. In the next section of this episode, Camille Lewis and I talk about our experiences and insights into fundamentalism. What I feel like we're leading into now is, which I know this is a really hard question because you spent decades studying it, but through all the education and background that you've had what have you really learned in studying the rhetoric of religious fundamentalism and separatism? I will personalize it because what I've learned, this is my upbringing too, being separating. That's my upbringing. But it's a, that's a sin. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'm confessing it by saying it that way. Our, one of our pastors preached a sermon many years ago, the Edgar Allan Poe story, and now I can't remember the name of it, where the man gets boxed into, bricked into a tower. It was all about how separation kills us, that we're not made to be that way. That's not who we're supposed to be. So for me personally, the separation is my bent. It's, I mean, it's an addiction. Maybe it's a compulsion. It's part of my humanity that I want to resist because that's not good. It's not good. We're not made to be separated from each other. It's a fool's errand. And it's a, it leads to destruction. Yes, thank you for saying that. And I think something I want to dig into is all cults want you to separate. There are so many elements of cults, but that is a big part. They make you scared of the outgroup people. Mm -hmm. and Every and, time. Yes, and this is like what I want to emphasize with people. And this is covered in the episode with the cult experts, but I want to emphasize it again. There is a moment when Daniela Mesnick Young, she's a cult scholar. She graduated from Harvard recently, and she wrote a memoir about growing up in the Children of God cults and was trafficked and all of that. And she ended up in the military. So she's been through the ringer. 
She's been to hell and back and she's come out shining bright and exposing Mm -hmm. these different cultic groups and trying to get people to see that there are cults that hide in plain sight. It's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. And things we might have normalized in our society might actually be cults, but we've just learned to normalize it and accept it and say things like, oh, this is culture. This is normal. This is okay. Um, They're just devoted or they're just devout. We'll say things like that. And so what she said, because a lot of people have said, as I've been calling up Bob Jones, they're like, oh, like all, all groups do this, blah, blah, blah. And so I, when I hear this and Daniela mm-hmm. said, she's like in cults, she's what you do is you take normal group behavior and you dial it up to a thousand. Nice. And I have talked about this to other people and, and I work for a cult expert. So I even talked to her a little bit about mm-hmm. this. And she's there's always an in group and out group. There's that's always been that way. Now you have family members, non-family members. That's a way of categorizing a distinction. Now it's one thing to have that, but it's another thing to say, oh yeah, the out group, those people are evil. We stay away from them. We separate and isolate. That's a whole other thing. And that's why No, do you can just see Thanksgiving dinner, you can just imagine you're you all have ham and turkey at your house. Yeah. And we have just turkey. Yeah, okay, so you have your customs and we have ours. But if I said you had ham on Thanksgiving and I said you can't be a good American if you're doing that, wait a minute, then you're right. You're dialing it up. Yeah, that's a great analogy and like example of that. So yeah, it's taking taking these things that like on a normal level, a regular level, like social group, and like you're taking it really far and dialing it up. So separatism, that is a big part of cults, that extreme us versus them mentality. I even recognize it in the IFB and even at Bob Jones University, they had this us versus them mindset, even towards other Christians who still accepted the gospel and as Jesus as the Savior, but they differed in other areas and they were bad and they weren't right with God. So even with people within like that faith and like Mm -hmm. still having some core things like these differential things. And again, cults think that they have the absolute truth. And this is what I want to make sure I emphasize with people. I respect people's beliefs to say that God's word is Mm -hmm. the truth. People have argued about interpretation and Mm. different theologies. And so to me, it's a whole other thing to say my interpretation of the Bible is the truth. And you cannot question my interpretation and they use God, they bring God into it to scare you. I've noticed these fundamentalists, it's always, and and you've researched a lot into this, it's always these men who want power and control. They look at it through a lens of power and control and authoritarianism. And that's the thing with authority in these environments, with what Bill Gothard did and all these fundamentalists, it's like you have to be under this umbrella of authority and that's the thing you're teaching people not to have boundaries and you're teaching them to be soldiers that do not think critically and obey authority no matter what which was clear in the gothard thing i finished it yeah i guess it was two nights ago yeah that whole military group Mm -hmm. and so what i'm so thankful for that documentary coming out is how it showed how these extreme takes on these teachings and really toxic teachings yeah, creates an environment where people can be manipulated and controlled. And a thing about cults too, and what I've noticed about Bob Jones is 
you don't get to form your own personal identity. They give you the identity. They tell you what to think, what to believe, how to act, how to feel, what church you should go, like uh, all these different things. I mean, there's a a white list of churches. Here's your list of churches to go to. Yes, exactly. They use the picture of God that they paint, which I'm still like trying so hard to deconstruct. But this Mm -hmm. like very angry, wrathful God Mm -hmm. could be definitely loving at moments. Like it was that was hard for me to deal with is like there's this angry, fearful God in this. Again, if you step out of line, oh, he's going to get you. If you step under the Mm -hmm. umbrella of authority, oh, he's Mm going to get you if you don't do this. Jim Berg said that. He said, if you don't do X, I can't remember what it is. God's going to shoot at you. Like, where is that? You're that's completely not there. And so they create this environment where. You have to follow the rules no matter what, and you cannot question them. And they frame their rules as God's truth. This is based on God's word. This you're going against God and you're in the authority position. So if you go against us and God's going to come for you and like you couldn't question that and questioning that was like, and I think that's what makes it so awful and so hard is that you're questioning God. When I was in school, they would say things like they would say exactly what you just said, but then they would say, now these rules that we have these are just for practicality. They're not written in the Bible, but they're just for practicality. But if you don't obey them to the letter, you're not a Christian. So they kind of create this weird learned helplessness or it results in a learned helplessness because you don't know which one you're supposed to be paying attention to. Whatever you're doing, it's wrong. So then do the opposite, but that's wrong too. And Yes, yeah. And it just also like the snitching culture that is there. You're teaching these members to snitch on each other because these authoritarian figures, they can only do so much Mm -hmm. with their few leaders. But Mm -hmm. if they can teach the cult members to snitch on each other and they can just sit back and relax, they can just bring the people to them. They have all their minions, them Boges or Boges, Jones. They have all these little minions to do their bidding to come back so they don't have to like Really, it's free labor in a sense, I think. Oh, absolutely. It <laughs> is absolutely. And they get like this lady who wrote about me returning the fabric. She gets brownie points, even if it may just be emotional brownie points. She gets brownie points by doing that. So, yeah, there's some satisfaction. Some She's going up higher in the hierarchy, the social hierarchy by tattling. Mm. Yes. Yes. And, and it was fascinating because they loved the discipline. They loved mentally like emotionally and psychologically abusing students and telling them that oh this is love i'm disciplining you yeah this is what god wants me to do that kind of environment can attract the worst kinds of people in those positions of power oh yeah it indulges that dysfunction i think that's safe i don't think i'm overstepping my bounds to say that like i'm not being out speaking outside my expertise It, it indulges the dysfunction absolutely Yes. And as you've studied religious fundamentalism and separatism, how have you seen them weaponize that and use that to control people and influence people in that kind of environment from your expertise and even your own lived experience? Okay. So you in, there's a person named Ko. I don't know if you've ever read Foucault in your background. He was a cultural critic from France in the 20th century. And we could talk about a lot of different things with Foucault, but one of the things he mentions, this this reflects what you had just described, is the panopticon. The panopticon was Jeremy Bentham's vision, if you will, or model of an ideal prison. 
one guard, and this is exactly what you described, but one guard would sit in the middle with a gun. And all the cells for all the prisoners were in a circle around him. So he was one eye, but he was the all-seeing eye. And he could look at all the people around him. There were no bars on each cell. There was just a light shining in on each prisoner so that the prisoners never knew when they were being scrutinized. And what that caused people to do is discipline themselves. So Foucault said, this is what culture does. Now, he was thinking of it in the hospital, that when you're in the hospital, you never know when you shouldn't be out of bed. So you just stay in bed and you discipline yourself in that way. So he was talking about those different things. But it, that's exactly what you were describing. That's what I heard in that Gothard documentary, too. You end up hurting yourself, hurting your choices, or you know, limiting your actions so that you comply, so that you look like you fit in, even though you're not fitting in. You, you, nobody fits in. It encourages a falseness. It encourages a opaqueness about uh, not transparency. I'm trying to think of the opposite of transparency. That is exhausting it's demoralizing it's debilitating and in many ways it just kills the self and they like that idea they heard me say oh it just kills the self they're like yay i'm like no that's not what you want you don't want to kill the self just two choices on the shelf did you have you heard that saying oh yes yeah okay yeah just two choices on the shelf pleasing god God or choosing yourself yeah yeah so they that's oh but that was just fascinating to me because I'm like, oh, in fundamentalism, I was taught there's no good thing inside of me. I remember this at Bob Jones. I heard this preacher boy say in, at this little ministry thing we were doing, you don't need to get to know yourself because who you are is really evil. You need to deny yourself. And yeah, I know. Yes. Do you want to dig into that a little bit? I'm stunned that somebody is preaching that. Because and this, this was, is this, a long story. Maybe you don't hear tear for No, it's it. fine. But I just want to emphasize this was like a preacher boy basically being trained at Bob Jones. And we, sure. were, we were at a nursing home. And this was. Oh, and he's, tell, he's telling these dear old folks that. Yeah. When one of those big meetings that we were having at the end was with Jim Berg. And Jim, I read something in Jim Berg's big book, The Change that's over there on the shelf, Change into His Image or whatever. Where he's saying exactly what you're describing this preacher saying, which was, that's heresy. Um, the Christian theology world, the church fathers or whatever, identified these certain things as being orthodoxy and not. And he was saying in there, and I can get you the passage. I, again, I can see the book over there. It was, we have Satan's own nature. We have a clone of Satan's own nature living within us, and it violently opposes God which is exactly what your, your preacher boyfriend or person was saying. That's not in the Bible. We don't have Satan living in us. That isn't true. That is false. And so I confronted Jim about that personally. And of course, he pretended to listen and he didn't do anything about it. And I that was part of this, all these things too. So the students are getting that. That's bad. That's not mm-hmm. Christian. Yeah. I think the terrible thing is that you have these teachings in fundamentalism that you're taught as truth and it's so hard to undo that and i think it's in again power and control it is so easy to control someone if they have no idea who they are if they have no sense of self if they have no boundaries 
at all and they have yeah. no personal identity and they're given this identity and like when you feel You're that right. shame like mm-hmm. shame is something that is used by abusers to control mm-hmm. people um and i remember this was like the last sermon that i heard before i was kicked out of bob jones uh-huh. university and this guest preacher and because it was the beginning of the semester and they always did a little like short like few nights of services in the beginning right. of the semester i remember revival types <laughs> thing and i remember this guest preacher from a church it was just oh God, like so many triggers from my past and like religious trauma, but basically the whole sermon, he didn't really talk much from the Bible. It was really him shaming. That's what I've noticed with these people who do these things. They don't talk much from the Bible when it's he shaming things. He was saying, he's like, all of you, the whole sermon is you are all worthless and most likely you won't amount to anything and you're all just a bunch of pink blobs in the universe. And you will most of y'all won't really amount to anything. So you might as well just give your life to Christ. And then that's where he brings in the Bible. Oh, look, God, Jesus has a purpose for the gospel. But this entire sermon, you're being beaten down to make you feel so worthless. And then like for me, like I wasn't buying into that anymore. But like I could just my psyche and my body and like my spirit was just like and it was just terrible. And it is terrible. It's terrible. And like it's emotionally, psychologically, spiritually abusive and this is a technique that i learned once i left and a lot of these like toxic and abusive leaders do this it's called the fear and release manipulation tactic so they spend all this time making you so scared what they do is they give you the problem and they make you feel so worthless and then they give you the solution to overcome this extreme like after they've beaten you down like a piece of shit they're like oh yeah here's how not to feel like a piece of shit anymore believe this follow my theology Give up your will, give up your identity, do this. And... I didn't know that had a name. I'm glad you gave me the name for that. Yes, yeah. Fear... Yeah, I used to say it's like building a, a Jenny Craig next to a Ben and Jerry's. Like they, one, the revivals would be like, feel bad and then feel good, eat Ben and Jerry's, then go on a diet. So it was that kind of thing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surviving Bob Jones University. It would be greatly appreciated if you could give the podcast a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews helps listeners just like you find the show.